Well, as we begin the second consecutive Easter now without our usual indoor packed celebration and gathering, I'm just reminded of how long it's taken, how much of our time, how much of our lives have passed as we've waited out this pandemic. And, and so much has happened in the past 14 months. Certainly lots of good things. Um, you saw the video earlier telling you some of the story of Goodness Village. How good is that? That on a church campus, tiny homes would spring up in the middle of a pandemic so that we could offer housing and community to people who don't have either. At least for me, when I look back on this pandemic, I will always think about how that happened during this season, and it was something very good that came during a hard time. Another good thing, extended time with our kids, right? I will always think about how the year before our oldest daughter left for college, we had enormous amounts of time with her, and her little sister had tons of time, just the two of them. That's been a good thing. And I think about good happening, like the way that so many rediscovered the Bay Area, all there is to do around here, because we couldn't go anywhere else. Or, or as a church, the way that we rediscovered our outdoor land, the trees and the creeks and the deer and these things that have been here all along, but because we're creatures of habit, we find ourselves inside always, even when Inside is the least interesting place on this 35 acres. There will be good that has come out of this, but it doesn't mean that it hasn't been difficult. I was talking just last week with a person in our church, and there are lots of people like her who lost her business in this last 14 months. And for her, it, it was more than a business. It, it was her plan, her career, what, what, what she had been preparing for for years, what, what honestly felt like her destiny she watched this business die right in front of her, helpless because of the pandemic and the lockdown, nothing she could do. It's kind of what I mean when I say it's been difficult. Or, or I think about a few couples that I've spoken with. It's been difficult because they've had dreams about a wedding. They, they grew up with a picture of what they hoped their wedding would be, saved up money the past few years, picked a venue, said yes to address, sent out invites, people from all over the country who would fly in, join them in the celebration. And, and while their relationship might be strong, when this pandemic hit, they did not have the wedding of their dreams. Some have postponed it, others settled for something really good, but not the dream, because the dream never involved friends and family having to watch the wedding on Facebook Live. The dream died. I've met a few people, get this, there are a few people here at Crosswinds who I've met that moved here to the Bay Area right when the pandemic hit and everything shut down. And they knew that moving to a new place where you don't know anyone is hard. And, and the plan was to get here and make new friends. Friends you meet at work, friends you meet at a new church. But work turned into staying home in their apartment on Zoom calls all day. And church turned into a YouTube video. Or, or if you come to our outdoor gathering, people staying six feet apart. And, and church turned into people wearing masks so that half the time you can't tell who it is enough to be able to know whether you've already met them. And their new start somewhere here has died a little bit. That, that's difficult. Maybe the most difficult thing, and I think at this point, this is something many of us can relate to. A lot of us have lost people in this pandemic. Not too long ago, I officiated a, a memorial service here on campus for a woman who lost her life with COVID. She, she was a mother 
a grandmother? So sad. A few weeks ago, I was here on a Saturday handing out communion. Uh, people could drive up and, and get it from us and then bring it home to watch as they, uh, to take the elements as they watch the service. Um, I, I, I talked to a person as they came through who, who told me that they had lost their mother this year. The hardest part, not getting to see her throughout this while she was in hospice or you know, be face to face because of COVID. This has hit so close to home for so many of us. I'll tell you, Crosswinds, there's a person that you saw here every Sunday. He was part of our frontline team. Frontline is our team that handles security and medical emergencies, and they greet you every Sunday and welcome you onto our campus back when things were normal. All right, a few months ago, he got COVID-19, went into intensive care, and, and many of you knew and saw Alvaro every week. Even if you didn't know him, he served you every week. And he's no longer with us. And as we gather this Easter, I just think one of the things we need to recognize, many of us, most of us have been experiencing some real loss or death. When I say death, I mean the death of hopes, dreams. I mean the death of plans. And I mean the death of people. You can probably think of things in your life that you've had die. I remember my, my first run-in with death. My parents had bought me a hamster. He was gray and brown, and he lived in a plastic cage with a wheel in it and some tubes in it. And uh, I, I named him Snuffleupagus, and he was great. He was a great first pet. And I was convinced that Snuffleupagus lived the perfect life. I mean, he got food and water, and he didn't have to go to school. I thought he had the perfect life until one day... I came home from school and Snuffleupagus the hamster had gnawed its way out of the cage. It actually chewed its way through the plastic. I didn't even know that was possible. And uh, my hamster went missing. All right, we looked everywhere, couldn't find him until one day we went down in the basement and there was a smell. And we found that my hamster had burrowed his way into an old mattress that we were storing down in the basement. And um, let me put it this way. He never burrowed his way back out. And, and so we threw out the mattress and we threw out Snuffleupagus. And I did what any affected, sensitive, caring about their pet kid does. I got another hamster. That was my experience with death at an early age. Inevitably, we all learn about it one way or another. Although as parents, Sometimes as parents, we try to delay our kids being exposed to it, right? A little over 13 years ago, we were moving to California. My daughter, Quinn, was four, and she had two goldfish named Flippy and Fufu. She was four. Those are great names when you're four. And uh, I knew we were moving. It's going to be a long road trip. It wasn't just the 10-hour drive here from Las Vegas where I was a pastor. We had to stop at a few different places. We actually had a wedding to go to in San Diego on the way. And I knew the goldfish were not going to make that drive. And I knew we couldn't put them on the moving truck. And, and so I came up with an idea to have my daughter, Quinn, avoid death. I told her that the pet store offered this great service where they would ship your goldfish to another pet store in the new town where you move. And I told her that once we got settled in California, we would go to PetSmart and pick up Flippy and Fufu, that they would be there waiting. By the way, don't look to me for parenting advice, okay? I'll just tell you right now, if you're new to Crosswinds, we do not pretend to be anything other than flawed, messed up people who are trying to work it out and thank God for forgiveness. But 
I flushed the fish down the toilet, told her they were on their way to California, which indirectly, maybe they were. I don't know where the sewers lead. And, and when we got here, sometime after we were settled, we went to the store to pick up her fish. Now, this is the big test. What's gonna happen? Will it work? No doubt that we can find two goldfish that look like them, but will she be fooled? We, we find an employee and we ask him to take us to the fish area, pull him aside and say, just roll with us here. Andrea walks Quinn up to a giant tank of goldfish. By the way, my wife was in on this. This is not all me. She's not innocent. And uh, Andrea says, do you see Flippy and Fufu? And without missing a beat, Quinn says, right there and right there. And two minutes later, we're out of the store and on our way home. Crisis averted. But let's be honest. The crisis is not averted forever because sooner or later, everything dies. And as I said before, may maybe you've been faced with that lately. Yes, in regards to people, but, but even with your plans or your hopes or your dreams, you know, that word dead is such an interesting word. We see it and, and we think of someone who's lost their life. But the truth is, we use that word in a bunch of different ways, don't we? Like, like if I said to you that a sailboat is dead in the water, that doesn't mean that it's lost its life, right? It just means that it has stalled. It's stuck. It's going nowhere. It's lost all of its momentum. And I, I would think today, there are some of you, that's exactly what's going on with you. Part of your life feels dead in the water. Maybe it's your marriage. You feel like it's stalling. Like... It's losing momentum. Maybe it's your career. You feel like things are dying and it's not good. Uh, it's a dream. It's a plan. You, you, you've had something you were shooting for that you were excited about and you thought, this is what I'm made to do. This is why I'm here. This is the thing that gives my life meaning and, and something has happened where it's lost momentum. It, it feels dead in the water and you're wondering if it's time to put that dream aside and, and, and bury it in a grave because it hurts to keep thinking about it and, and keep planning and, and you're ready to throw in the towel on your dream. And we're gonna talk about that today. Another way that we use the word dead is to talk about something being absolute or, or complete or unchangeable. Like if I say that someone's dead right or, or dead tired, that means um, it's done. We can't fix that, we can't change that, we, we can't go back, we can't undo it. And I wonder if some of us don't come into this Easter feeling like maybe we're dying in that way. Like we're getting further down a road that is unchangeable, unalterable, it's a road we can't come back from. You know, maybe you've made a series of bad choices, an addiction, out of control spending. Maybe it's financial debt that just keeps escalating and, and you see it coming and you're saying, I'm getting to the point where this area of my life is about to be dead. It's going to end in ruins. It is absolute. It is certain. And I should tell you, I don't believe it is. And I'm going to explain why in just a moment. Don't go anywhere. Listen up. Stay focused. But then there's one other way that we use the word dead. It's, it's, it's when we talk about something happening in the dead of night or, or maybe in the dead of winter. And, and those are terms we use to describe the time of greatest darkness, the time of greatest cold. And, and there are some of you today who, who wouldn't have used the word dying to describe your situation, but, but you see things getting darker and, and colder. And what I mean is you don't like who you are and you don't love how you treat people and you don't want to be what it seems like you're becoming. Spiritually, it feels like something is dying. 
And I cannot wait to talk to you. Because today, I have one thing to tell you, one very simple thing. You who've lost a loved one, you who feel like you've lost momentum, you who feel like you can't go back, you who are in a time of great darkness and cold, all you here who are being faced with some sort of death, you, you need to know Jesus is not dead. Jesus conquered all that death. God, the God of the universe, the God we worship at Crosswinds, the God who loves you more than you could ever imagine, he stared death in the face, experienced it fully, completely. He was absolutely dead. He was in a darker place than you could ever imagine. He had lost all momentum. He was truly physically dead, but he didn't stay dead. And because he conquered death, so can you. There's a story in the Bible. This is after the crucifixion. It's the story of, of two disciples. They decide to take a journey. Um, by the way, these aren't two of the 12 disciples you may have heard of. Jesus had many followers. These two, they knew him well. They followed him around, but they weren't part of that inner circle. Anyway, these guys are walking on the road to a place called Emmaus. And they're discussing with each other what had just happened to Jesus. They're discussing his death. And, and this is huge for, for them because this, this is not just the death of Jesus, right? This is the death of their hopes for their nation, the, the death of their own spiritual journey that had begun. This is the death of this family of disciples, these relationships they had begun. Everything, everything in their world has stopped in its tracks. They are dead in the water. And, and they aren't sure what that's going to mean. All right, the Bible says in Luke that a man came up and, and began walking alongside them. And the stranger came up from behind, and here's what it says in Luke 24. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? But they stood still, their faces downcast. Get that. They stood still, dead in the water, stalled, just like their hearts felt in this moment. So they decide to start to tell this man about Jesus. Verse 20, the chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped, there's that word, hoped. We had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. Look, we had hopes and plans and dreams, and now they will not come true. This is absolute. This is certain. It's unchangeable. All that stuff we had is dead, as dead as Jesus. Everything is different. It says that they kept walking. And they finally got to the place on the road where they had to turn off and go to their village. And so the strange man said goodbye. He started to continue on his journey a different way. But, but the two men decided that the right thing to do was ask him to join them back at their place for a meal. It was getting dark. The day was almost over. You, you could spend the night and then just be on your way in the morning. And so he took them up on it. He went to their home to have the meal that they had promised. All right, they sat down at the table to eat. And as was the custom, they, they gave thanks, and then something happened. This stranger, this man, who would come up behind them on the road, he took the bread into his own hands and decided to, to break it. Now, understand how odd this was. He's a stranger. He's not the host. This was their house. They're the ones who should reach for the bread and break it and give thanks, unless, unless... He was a rabbi, unless he was their leader. We don't know exactly what happened. If as he broke the bread, they finally noticed the scars in his wrists, 
If watching him hold the bread, they, they, they flashed back to the time that he, he took a few small loaves and fed it to 5,000 people. We don't know what happened. But in this moment, they realize it's Jesus. It is Jesus. He is here. He's not dead. He's alive and he's in my house and he's at my table. And Jesus is not dead anymore. And, and I just... Have you ever had one of those moments where emotion comes over you and the room spins and your knees buckle and you lose your sense of balance? These guys have that kind of moment. And, and when they collect themselves, he is gone. Jesus is gone. Now, get this. These two disciples are overjoyed. And one of them says, we've got to go back to Jerusalem and tell everybody. We've got to tell them. And the other probably says, are you kidding me? We've been traveling all day and it's night, it's dark and it's dangerous. But his friend says back to him, we must because there are people whose lives aren't going to be what they could be. And there are people who have lost all hope. And, and there are people who think death is final and they're giving up. And they think that God's plan for them is through and they don't know that Jesus is not dead. And, and so they rush off to Jerusalem in the middle of the dark because now the dark doesn't seem so dark. And now they have momentum. They can't sit still, whereas before they were dead in their tracks. Now they can't stop moving. And what felt so unchangeable, so absolute that, that their dreams were over, it was absolutely wrong. And they get to Jerusalem and they find the place where the disciples were hiding and, and they burst in and they say, stop everything. He's not dead. We saw Jesus. He's alive. I saw him. I looked him in the eye. I, I took bread out of his nail scarred hands. He is not dead. He's alive. You disciples sitting here ready to get up, uh, give up, ready to throw in the towel. You who think like we did that Jesus could be so easily defeated on the cross, you've got it wrong. It's been three days. He is alive. Jesus is not dead. And, and the disciples looked back and said, we know, we saw him too. Where have you guys been? Okay, this Easter, you watching, who feel like something in your world is beyond repair, your job, your finances, your marriage, your relationship with your kids, your, your relationship with your parents, if you feel like your dreams are dead and your hopes are dead and your chances to be something else are dead, you have got to know this day is all about declaring one thing. Jesus is not dead. And as long as Jesus is not dead, your hopes don't have to be either. He can bring life back to your marriage and he can bring life back to your future he can bring life back to you. I mentioned earlier that, that there might be some of you here who, who feel like you're in a sort of darkness, kind of a sort of cold, like maybe spiritually you've stalled, or maybe spiritually you're too far gone and you can't get back. And, and I need to tell you, the Bible talks about this thing that you might be feeling right now. It, it says in Colossians, you were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. The Bible explains that that spiritual darkness and that lack of momentum and honestly, that feeling of disconnect from God, it's because of sin in our lives. And I think most of us understand that. You know, 
I grew up understanding that. I, I had sin and it got in the way of me and God and us having a better relationship. I understood that. But I'll tell you, that's about all I understood. I grew up thinking with all the things I've done, I, I'm somewhat dead to God. He, he's written me off. Again, maybe you can relate to that. How could a holy God look at somebody like me who even when I try my hardest still seems to find a way to think hurtful and say hurtful and do hurtful things? And so I did an awful lot of rule following to try to keep my connection to God alive. What I found, the rule following just made me feel more dead trying to prove to God that I was worthy, fighting to prove it, I just felt more and more deadened. And it didn't matter how much I tried. I felt like I couldn't get momentum because there'd always be something that I would do, what the Bible calls sin, stopping me in my tracks. And, and for me, what that led to was that dead of winter, that kind of dead of night darkness, a darkness that, that pointed to something that wasn't quite right. Okay, here's what I didn't understand, what I wish someone would have explained to me earlier, that while my sin made me dead, Jesus gave me life. Look at the rest of Colossians 2.13. It says, yes, you were dead because of your sins, but then God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all our sins. And what I have since found, what the Bible really says, it doesn't say that God's idea is for you to be dead to him because you're so bad. It says, Jesus came so that you can have life and have it with abundance. I love that word, abundance. When I hear it, I think enough. I think overflowing. In fact, I think too much, so much life that it spills out of me. And that's God's plans for you, his hope for you, his dream since the moment he created you, that you would overflow with life. But he knew, God knew that sin was standing in the way, this thing that brings a deadness, that stops momentum and creates darkness and feels so certain. And, and so what he did, he sent Jesus to take your sin with him to the cross. Here's what 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, that Jesus, who had no sin, became sin for us. I just want to say that again and ask you to let it sink in. Jesus, who had no sin, became sin for you. He took your absolute, complete, dead-in-the-water darkness on himself and died with it. He died with and for your sin. But it doesn't end there. That was Friday. Friday, he was dead with your sin. But Sunday, Sunday, he was alive. Alive with life for you. Friday, he was dead. Sunday, he had conquered death. And that is the message of Easter. Jesus is not dead. And you don't have to be either. Your sin, your choices, your darkness, God is ready to take them. But what he asks of you is that you would ask him to. The way to get the life that he's offering is to acknowledge there's something stealing life from you, your sin, to admit that, to ask his forgiveness and to receive his life. If you're someone who's never done that and you find that you see these little pockets of darkness and stalled movement and honestly, these little pockets of death, right? Let me tell you something we believe with every ounce of our being here at Crosswinds. 
it is never too late to become who you might have been. The person that God designed you to be, the person that's filled with life. And I'm gonna pray. And if you wanna receive his life today because of Jesus' death and resurrection, the life he can give, I'll ask you to pray with me. What better day to do that? The day we celebrate Jesus conquering death. Let him conquer death for you. Let's all bow our heads and we'll pray. And if you wanna pray today to ask Jesus to give you this life, make my words your own. You don't have to say them out loud. Just in your head, make my words your own words, all right? God, I come before you this Easter and I admit that there's sin in me that brings death. And as I sit here, I know that you offer life through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So God, I ask you right now in this moment to take the sin from me that's kept me dead, forgive me, wash me clean, and infuse me with your life. God, as I pray this prayer, would you give me your life? And as you do, I thank you for loving me and saving me from death. Amen. At Crosswinds, whenever someone prays a prayer like that and asks God for his forgiveness and his life, uh, we, we have these things called grace walls that we invite people over to. They're, they're, they're just these walls that you see behind me right now, actually, that we built with, with sockets in them for, for you to screw in a light bulb and they light up. But, but they're more than just wood and electricity because they represent God's light in the darkness, his, his life in the death. And we're going to leave them out on our campus this week, outside, over on our bridge, right on the bridge. If you've never been out here, you can't miss the bridge. But we're inviting you out. You can stay socially distant if you want, wear a mask. And we'll have some bulbs there all week for you. And we want to invite you to, to come up to one of the walls and take one, screw it in, and light it up, representing what God is doing and is going to continue to do in your life. And, and I would encourage you, share this with someone. Do what the two disciples did that we read about. They ran to tell the others, Jesus is alive. And, and maybe you want to reach out to Crosswinds, one of our pastors, and share what Jesus has begun to do in you today. Now, in just a second, the band is going to do one more song. And I want to ask everyone, all of you, to take a moment, would you, and, and think today about what area of your life has started to feel a little dead we want to give you some space as you hear this song to reflect on that. Maybe you've already identified that. But once you do, we want you to take time as you hear this song that is all about new life to pray, asking God for whose new life in, in that area. It might be your marriage. It might be your sobriety. It might be work, other relationships. It might be the most important thing, you and God, in your feeling deadness there. As our band celebrates the resurrection of Jesus, would you ask for that resurrection to be made real in your life right now? Right. Yeah. One take. Awesome. Not without some 